Today's episode is brought to you in part by Logos. Logos combines digital books with intelligent software to help you study the Bible deeply. Do word studies with one click, search for virtually anything in your Bible, and enjoy dozens of features that help you see more in Scripture. Right now, you can find my book, Virtuous Persuasion, A Theology of Christian Mission, as well as get a listener discount on Logos by visiting logos.com slash mneebauer. That's logos.com slash mneebauer. Christians believe that God created the world. This raises an important question. Why did God decide to do this? Was God lonely or bored? Did he need something to do? Or is there some other reason that prompted the creation of the world? Welcome to This We Believe, the podcast where we explain the essential texts of the Christian faith. My name is Dr. Michael Niebauer. As we discussed last time, The Apostles' Creed is meant to be a guide to help us understand what we mean when we call God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so that we can better know and love God. It begins by describing God as the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So today, we're going to unpack this statement, discussing what it means to call God Father, then Almighty, and finally taking a look at the workings of God in creation. First, we believe in God the Father. Now, Father is the term for God that we most associate with the Old Testament. It is meant to tell us that we worship this particular God that has been revealed in the Old Testament history, the God that appeared to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and Isaiah. For Christians, God is a proper noun. When we say that word God, we ultimately mean this God that has been revealed in the Bible not some other god or gods, or not some idea of God that we find inside ourselves. Father also refers to the fact that the fa- God is the father of Jesus, the son of God. Now, ultimately, we know God as father through our encounter with God the son, Jesus. The father is the one who sends his son into the world to rescue us. In the Gospel of John, as Jesus is praying for his followers, he says, my father and your father. We see here that through Jesus, the fatherhood of God is extended to us. While Jesus' sonship is superior to ours because Jesus is God, Jesus, though, is also the source of our being called sons and daughters of God. Through Jesus, we can now know and experience God as Father. So when we call God our Father, it means that God exercises a parental care and tenderness towards us. Parents are the source of our existence. They are meant to provide for us, to protect us, and to care for us. And likewise, God the Father is our ultimate source of existence. He provides for us, first and foremost, with the gift of life. He cares for us. He protects us. And he is present with us as our eternal father. 
What's interesting is if you look at the biographies of nearly all the famous atheists, you will find that almost all of them had terrible or non-existent fathers. You see, they lacked this image of a good and caring father in their lives, and so it distorted their image of God. Now, the creed goes on to talk about God as being the Father Almighty. When we call God Almighty, we mean that he is all-powerful. God is the source of everything that exists. And this is very important because sometimes when we think of God, we tend to just think of him maybe as a very, very large human being. But this isn't really the case. God is above and beyond our comprehension even above and beyond our conception of time. This means that God is in control. God is the source of our existence, the source of our life. And this means that if we want to know how to live this life well, we should turn to God. Typically, if I want to know how to do something, it's probably best to find the person who created it. The person who designed, say, an automobile would probably know best how to fix it and how to operate it perfectly. In the same way, because God is the source of our life, we turn to him because we want to know how to live our life the best way. Now, because God is all-powerful, he is capable of being everywhere. Because he is outside of time, he doesn't run out of time. And this is very, very important because this means that God has time for us. Because he is so above us, he can be so near to us. God can be everywhere all at once. This means that God doesn't have more important things to do than to be with us. Even when we share with God concerns that we think are relatively minor, God still patiently listens to us because he wants to be with us. The creed continues in describing God as creator of heaven and earth. God is not a big human being that constructs the world like we might build a tower. Instead, God is the source of everything that exists. He creates out of nothing. Why does God create? Well, this goes back to what we talked about regarding the relationship between the Father and Son. You see, within God's very self, there is a kind of dynamic, abundant, relational love, a love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is out of this loving abundance that God creates. God doesn't create because he's lonely. Within God, there is an abundance of relational love. He doesn't create because he needs something. God is infinite. Rather, it is the exact opposite. God creates the world because within him is an overabundance of love. We see this dynamic at play in the first few sentences of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible begins by stating that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's nothing behind or before God. Then it continues in the next two verses to describe how God creates. It says that the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then God speaks the words, let there be light and there is light. 
Now, one of the terms to refer to Jesus in the Bible is that he is the word of God. Jesus is the word in words of the Father. So in this passage, the Father speaks, and the words of that utterance are the Son. So in the same way that I might think a word in my mind and then speak it with my lips, there is at one time the same word being thought and spoken, but there are, in a sense, two different actions, the thinking and the speaking. One of the ways to look at this passage is to say that the the Father thinks the word and the Son is the utterance. So we see just in the first few sentences of the Bible, there is this dynamic between the Spirit of God, the Father, and the Son, and it is out of that dynamic and interplay that we get creation. Genesis 1 continues by describing creation as being orderly, beautiful, and opulent. There is a structure in order to creation, with each object fitting together in perfect harmony. This creation is also marked by a kind of overabundant richness. See, for example, when God creates plants and vegetation, it states that there is an abundance of seeds. A tree is capable of producing more life through the production of acorns, and a tree typically produces hundreds of acorns just to reproduce one tree. This is supposed to be a sign that God gives more than what is needed. We can thus see in this creation narrative that God creates not out of need or necessity, but instead creates out of abundance and out of love. One of the ways in which we can better understand God's reasons for creation is to look to the work of artists or musicians. Typically, when we love something, we want to be creative. If, say, you love poetry or novels, you will probably want to become a poet or a writer. When I was a teenager, I fell in love with jazz music, so I picked up an instrument and wanted to create jazz music. Parents as well, out of their love for each other, desire to create, to procreate. They want to create a child, they want to create new life, not because they need more love, but instead as a natural outflow of the love they have for each other. Love tends to be expansive like that. This analogy to parents and artists helps us understand as well the culmination of God's creation, which comes in the creation of human beings. We are unique amongst all of creation in that we are given the power to be creative. Dogs don't produce art. Cats don't produce poetry. No other animals produce art. Only humans do. Human beings are given the ability to be free and to freely create. We are created with the opportunity to love God in return and to love others. God does not create us as robots, but gives us the freedom to choose to love him and others in return. Genesis 1 describes a beautiful, ordered, and harmonious picture of God's creation. Now, it won't take long to realize that the world you presently see looks very different from this picture. Our world, our world is broken and disordered. We get glimpses of its beauty, but this beauty is veiled by chaos, ugliness, and death. As we'll discuss next time, this brokenness is a byproduct of humankind's ability to be freely creative. We can choose to love and choose to be creative. But this means that we can also choose not to love. Humankind's free rejection of this love 
will lead to sin and brokenness in the world. But luckily, God, God's love extends to meet us in our brokenness in Jesus Christ, which we will discuss next time. I'd like to thank you for joining me today on This We Believe. If you have enjoyed this episode, it would be a huge help for us if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts, or if you would share a link to this episode with one friend. This will go a long way towards helping others find us. If you'd like to connect further, you can visit our Facebook page at This We Believe Podcast, or send us an email at thisweBelievePodcast at gmail.com. Take care, and God bless. Mm-hmm.